classic 80s metal. Symphonic death metal opera. But I've got to be in the mood to listen to Black Sabbath. Many of our listeners weren't even born then. Back for time, it was very progressive. I can see there are thrash elements. You are a metal paradox. A stunning vision of death metal. I would listen to it over and over and over again today. It just seems so dated. I hear this more as operatic and goth. Florianson will surpass Halpert as the iconic heavy metal singer. You're listening to The Great Metal Debate Podcast. Hello, Great Metal Debate listeners. Welcome back to another podcast, the end of 2014 podcast. This is Gone Thog. And as always, I'm joined by my partner in crime, Brian. Brian, how are you, sir? I'm doing good. Ready for the end of day's podcast, my friend. So here we are at the end of the year 2014. Man, did you think a year ago that we would still be doing the podcast at this point? Dude, I swear to God, when you asked me about this, I thought it was a joke. And when we did that first one sitting in your bedroom, then I really thought it was a joke. But coming as far as we've come and doing some of the things we've done and meeting some of the people we've met, this has been an incredible year. An incredible metal year. I totally agree, man. I'm looking forward to just spending a little time going back and uh, just kind of revisiting some of the things that have happened and things we've talked about. One of my recollections from this year is that we started a Facebook page for the Great Metal Debate. We, we did. That Facebook page has been a source of great knowledge, of great inspiration, of great entertainment. One of my favorite memories is devout listener Elena calling you a jerk on Facebook. Poor Elena. She just really doesn't know me, or she did at the time. Since then, we've kind of had a bit of back and forth. I think she understands where I come from. I certainly understand where she comes from. Elena is an uh, is one of our great supporters. She's a great listener. Uh, Elena also has her own band, Wolf Clan, which, by the way, is coming out with some new music. You're going to want to check that out. Check her out on Facebook, uh, a.k.a. Mirabelle, and she has also got a good blog going. You know, Elena, when she said that, I felt bad about that. I, I will admit to her, not to you, because you're a dick, that I occasionally take the opposite side just to be opposite from you. So let's explore that a little bit more, man. For people who may be due to the podcast, the parts that we play. I could do that. Uh. I am a fan of 80s metal. As far as I'm concerned, the moon was hung with 80s metal, and that's where it stopped and stayed. I'm the guy who loves the roots. I'm the guy who loves the party, heavy metal, loud, crazy all the time metal. I think that's the roots of metal. I think that's the basis of metal. And I think that's where all metal today comes from. And I am completely on the other side of the fence. Metal really didn't even begin until after 2000, Brian, when you began to have this incredible explosion of different styles and genres. And to me, that has reached its peak in symphonic metal and melodic death metal. It's not about partying. It's not about rock and roll. It's about the performance. Bands that have individuals who are very educated, who are passionate and professional about what they do. I think that's a perfect example of your metal snobbery. And I think that statement speaks for itself. 
Brian, even though I am not a fan of 80s metal, I am a fan of a particular musician from the 80s. That goes back to our first fan cast, where we had a podcast that focused on a particular metal fan. Oh, I know where you're and going. We, we had the opportunity to speak with one of the ultimate metal fans, Greg Kyle. <laughs> Dude, I laugh because Kyle is the ultimate metal ambassador. I tell you this, love is music or hate it, you will never find someone more dedicated to a lifestyle of learning, loving, living, and playing metal music. Greg, he's my metal brother, and I think that fan cast brought out something in him that has not been around in a long time. You know, there are great Greg stories. I remember particularly a night in the graveyard when the car wouldn't start, and several of us were passed out by that point, and Greg kept going, no, man, just keep trying. It'll start. It'll start. <laughs> I think the police showed up that night, didn't they? But like I said, you're not going to find a guy who loves metal more than Greg. I mean, he's a dedicated fan. And we definitely, in 2015, need to get Greg back to a show. Absolutely. Speaking of shows, I traveled 2,300 miles to see eight concerts with 21 bands. 2014, this has been one of the best metal years I have ever experienced. Dude, you've been to a lot of shows. And although I haven't been to as many as you, I've been to the first shows I've been to in quite a while. It's got me back on the scene, more interested than ever than finding new shows. And I hope that this year I make it 2,300 miles to see eight shows and 21 bands. Man, I've seen so many I'll mention four, Dark Tranquility, I saw back this past spring, amazing. I mean, the godfathers of Swedish melodic death metal, the Gothenburg scene, mm. revamp, the metal goddess Flor Jansen, mm. I got to see Zandria, and finally, the last concert of the year, Arch Enemy, Swedish melodic death metal, bookended bo the whole year for me, an amazing group of concerts I saw. All right, dude, gun to your head. What was the best band you saw this year? Arch Enemy. I'll just tell you, Arch Enemy blew me away. The third time I've seen Elisa White Gloves, the third band I've seen her with, and she never disappoints. The quintessential metal front woman. Man, that surprises me. You've seen a lot of good bands this year, and, and I accept that. And, and actually, you know, Arch Enemy is a band that I like. It's not my favorite band, but I can, I can handle that. But I saw the, the show in Louisville with uh, Dysphorium and Your Chance to Die and uh, Beyond Creation and then Origin. And that was a great show, a first one to start back. Uh, saw good friends of the podcast, Dysphorium and Your Chance to Die. and Well, actually, all those guys. I've interviewed and talked to all those guys on the podcast. That's amazing. And then I also saw a more commercial concert, Steel Panther. And then, of course, one of the greatest concerts I've seen is Judas Priest. Redeemer of Souls touring. It was incredible, dude. I was able to see uh, that show in Louisville with you. That was a really good time. You got to talk to some great metal artists there. Man, that's another amazing thing about this year. The number of great artists that I've gotten to meet. I was walking down the street in Columbus, Ohio, yeah. six hours before the show. And lo and behold, I walk up to Yorkham from Sabaton. Of course, because where and would you I'm expect like, to see Yoakum but Columbus? And I'm like, 
dude, can I get your autograph? <laughs> and he was so cool. Yeah. And then a homeless person started, like, talking to us, and that kind of ran him off. But <laughs> Then later that night, one of the most meaningful experiences in my entire life, getting to meet the metal goddess Floriansen. I walked up, got to shake her hand, tell her how much her music has meant to me, how much that she has inspired me. I also met Ben from Goat Whore in Nashville, and he was so cool. Uh, real nice guy, signed my CD uh, liner, and I didn't tell him what I thought during the concert as he kneeled over me, whipping his head back and forth, which was, damn, your hair smells great. <laughs> Dude, that makes me speechless, so that doesn't happen too often. So I'm just going to let that statement stand on its own. i, I tell you who I met this year that I found fascinating. Of course, you know this. I don't know if the listeners know this, but on their way to their tour, Your Chance to Die, actually stayed at my house one night on their way out to the uh, West Coast. And meeting Missy and Coco and Thomas and Chase, it was freaking amazing. They were great people. And then I got to see them play in concert in Louisville and speak to them there. Uh, that was incredible for me. It's amazing to me when you told me a technical death metal band is going to be staying at my house one night. Dude, I think that they fell in love with Molly's Biscuits. And uh, they always tell me when I talk to them to tell Molly hi. Molly, is Molly being your... Molly being your wonderful, sainted mother, I wish I could have been there, a fly on the wall, to see the technical death metal band, Your Chance to Die, with Molly, the mom that I used to come over to your house and interact with as a high schooler. <laughs> Dude, the, the old folks from the neighborhood came to meet the technical death metal band. It was freaking <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and they were so nice when we saw them live, man. They could not have been... Uh, more wonderful, uh, polite people. Dude, this is a band that I, I, I... They're one of the bands that got me moving towards technical death metal, and their music is super good. They're super talented. They sound good. They're, they're precise. I, I love everything about them. Absolutely. Well, man, I, I can't let our discussion about artists that we met end without mentioning the day in... October in Louisville, Kentucky, where I had the opportunity to meet and interview Charlotte Wessels from Delane and Diana van Heersbergen from Zandria, two wonderful Dutch ladies. They were just a pleasure to meet and talk to. It was just an incredible experience to get to talk to those ladies. And as nice as they were, that didn't even approach the level of talent and musical execution that they provided on stage. And I'm so excited to see Delane again in 2014 supporting Sabaton and Nightwish. I know you're looking forward to those concerts, man. And I hope I get to join you in, in seeing them. Let's talk about the interviews we did, man. Oh, my God. Uh, you have talked. I mean, Brian, I am in awe of you because you have gotten to speak with some of the most amazing metal artists I actually throw that compliment right back at you. The amazing thing about this to me, Gomthog, is that all we had to do to get these interviews was ask. To me, it speaks volume about the brotherhood of metal 
and how far these people are willing to go to support their fans. I, <clears throat> I, I certainly. And what? And what a douchebag that says that he hasn't gotten back with you. You. Oh, did you see today that he did an interview with his hometown paper? That pissed me I off. The hell with that, man. I know that's stupid. Yeah, I'm actually going to hit him up pretty hard this week. Okay. Yeah. All right. Sorry, dude. No, no. Yeah. No, I agree. I was just thinking about that today, actually. No, dude. You know what? I I I fumble with the guitar and have since I was I don't know 16 or 17 years old. I bought my first one. I'm certainly not a guitar player, and I'm not good enough to be in a band. But man, I love it. It's therapy for me to play it and to hear it. And to get to interview someone like Ross the Boss Friedman from Manowar and Death Dealer and Ross the Boss Band and, and the Dictators, that was a highlight for me. I can't tell you how excited I was to get that. I was speechless when you told me that you had spoken with Ross the Boss, man. Even if he is from the 80s, that guy is a legend. And I can't tell you how excited I was to hear your talk with him for the first time. And he was so nice and accommodating. You know, one of his bandmates from Death Eater, Stu the Hammer Marshall and Empires of Eden, uh, who has a new album out coming out in 2015, which is freaking amazing, I might add. Just to meet him, what a great guy this guy is, who takes time out of his busy day to talk to just basically a fan. You know, uh, uh, Roth Sheeper for Primal Fear. I actually spoke to that dude. I know you saw him in concert. It was amazing. We've met so many wonderful people. The very first interview we did was with uh, Missy Avila from Your Chance to Die. It's just amazing all the fun that we've had doing this. I think that's the thing that strikes me, Brian, is that these people, you look up at them and say, these are metal gods and goddesses, but they're just like normal people like you and I. They're trying to do their thing. They're fans of metal. And I just admire the hell out of them, especially when I have the opportunity to speak with them. Well, they're icons, and yet they remember where they came from. They remember the time when they were fans, and that's why they do it, and that's why they talk to guys like us. We had a bunch of podcasts this year. We did. We have talked about a lot of topics. 22, to be precise. Some of those really stand out to me. Yeah. One of them is our discussion about best vocalists. Well, let me, hang on. Which list of yours are you talking about? Because I know yours changes every week. Oh, that is bullshit. What is that? I am the one who's consistent. You're the one. Let me ask you this. Has your list changed from that podcast? I would have one addition. Yeah, mine hasn't changed. That's because yours is stuck back in the 1980s. Yeah, if you look at that list, there's many singers not from the 1980s on that list. I take that back. There's a couple of singers not from the 1980s. I can't believe that you would experience the full year 2014 in metal and not have a change in your top 20 metal vocalists. Absolutely not, because I stick to my roots and the people who got me here. That was a great podcast, Gomthog. I, I think you made a few errors in your list there. Not that those people aren't super talented, but I'll stick with the classics. Any list that includes Quiet Riot and Twisted Sister, I'm not going to take seriously. Yeah, once again, you know, here is the metal snobbery coming out in that you have to take a list of great metal vocalists seriously. I take a list of metal vocalists seriously. Any list that includes Quiet Riot and Twisted Sister is not a list of metal vocalists. Yeah, it is an awesome list of metal vocalists. 
And there's something wrong with you if you can't see that. Okay, so this is what I would add. Let me ask you a couple of questions, just to kind of wrap us up here. You know, we, we've debated a lot. We've gotten heated at times. What, what do you think is one of the more contentious issues that we've come across or come up with? I think the biggest issue is, is metal or listening to music something that is ultimately subjective, something that happens in your head? Or is it, as I would argue, something that's more objective, something that's a shared experience, a communal experience, something that we can talk about and come to a shared understanding about? Yeah, I mean, I would agree with that. That that is that is the great metal debate. I mean, there are a lot of things that go with it. I would I would say one of the issues that I find more interesting is your disdain for commercial appeal. You know, any band that's good is is sort of doomed to be ostracized. Uh, whoa, 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 whoa! What, what do you mean that's good? So you're equating a band being good with a band being commercial? That's ridiculous, Brian. Well, I mean. No, that's just what you did. You equated a band. Be, you said commercial, and then you said, well, if a band being good, you'll ostracize them. You've equated selling a lot of records to being good. That's ridiculous. And I think you've just picked one of the topics for our next podcast. Let me move on to the next question. What effect do you think that the podcast has kind of had on you personally as, a, as a, a, an enjoyer of metal music? Well, man, it's refocused me. I mean, it's not like I'm. I'm not like rant coming. <laughs> I've never turned my back on metal, like so many of the so-called '80s fans have, who stopped listening in the '80s, who let 1991, 1992, 1993, etc., etc., into the 2000s, go on and on, the years and years of metal that they turned their backs on. I have been there all the way, going to show after show, seeing band after band, buying album after album the whole way. Nonetheless, this podcast has reinvigorated me, and I've gone to see more shows this year, eight concerts, than I've ever seen in any other year. So this podcast has really renewed my faith in metal, and in particular, in true metal, which is the modern metal, the new millennium of metal, of symphonic, operatic, and melodic death metal. That's a great answer. I, I will say this. I, you have also never had three kids and a crazy-ass bitch ex-wife who kept you out of metal for 20 years. That being said, I would agree with you, and I would say the exact same answer that you did, John Fogg. One of the rare occasions we do this. It has invigorated my interest in metal. And the greatest part about this podcast, yes, I love 80s metal. I'm not sure there will ever be anything better. But man, do I love all the new shit I get to listen to. All the new people I've met on the podcast. Listen, some of, some of these folks are the most intense, hard-feeling, good people, salt-of-the-earth fans that I've ever talked to. And it has been my pleasure to be part of this great year-long odyssey that has led us to this point where we still know that I'm right and you're freaking stupid. Welcome back, departed brethren, to the battle faith. Amen and amen. Well, that wraps it up for this episode of The Great Metal Debate. 
We thank you, listeners, for taking the time to listen to us. We thank you for the years that you spent with us, and we so look forward to the next year spending it with you. And we want you to continue to join us on the Great Metal Debate Facebook page, our SoundCloud page, and also our YouTube page. You can check us out at all three of those locations. Keep sending those bands. Keep sending those songs. Keep sending us your metal ideas and discussions. We love all things metal. We want you to love all things metal. Until next year, signing off.